Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Weston Walker show on a Monday. Panthers fans, I know it's tough, but we're going to get through this together. Out here at the Spectrum Center, Hornets Media Day 2023. So a lot of excitement about the Hornets. Keep hitting us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button on the social medias, whether you're talking about the WFNZ Twitter or Instagram page, at Wes Bryant, at at West Bryant underscore 72, I should say, at Walker Mellon, at HTB underscore Josh, and most importantly, at Wesson Walker on Twitter and Instagram. And now it is time to go to the campus counter. Big news coming out of Raleigh. The entire offseason was all about the marriage of Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong. And could they find the magic from a couple of seasons ago when Brennan Armstrong was one of the best football quarterbacks you'd never heard of at the University of Virginia when he had that monster season. And now, folks, that time has come to an end, at least in the short term. NC State will start MJ Morse over Brennan Armstrong going forward. I guess that Coach Dave Doran has seen enough, and it is time for him to move on. And when you look at Brennan Armstrong in the season that he's had to this point, 58% completions, 971 passing yards, five touchdowns passing, six interceptions, and three rushing touchdowns. Now, there's a lot of fault to pass around with this offense. Not a lot of receiving options. We reported last week that the refreshmen have been holding it down for the most part at receiving. There may be some promise that Casey Concepcion out of Chambers High School has been doing his thing. But this offense right now as a whole, there's no running back to speak of that is remarkable in your eyes. There's no receiver to speak of that's been dominant in your eyes. And so what do you think about this decision with MJ Morris? Is it going to change NC State's fortunes or is it going to be more of the same because there's just not a lot surrounding the quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll look better. Brandon Armstrong, it just hasn't been working for him. Isn't it odd, man? Like what he did at Virginia a couple of years ago, I know we have some wide receiver talent, some underutilized, at least under talked about, I should say, guys that weren't getting drafted, but we're getting on with NFL teams as undrafted free agents. Dontavian Wicks is somebody that comes to mind. The offensive line was certainly better in the last year that you had under Bronco Mendenhall than when Tony Elliott comes over. But I still didn't expect it to be this bad against Louisville. This was the first, I would say, real contest. I know they played Notre Dame, but real contest that you thought NC State. Like, it would be a good measuring stick, I should say, mm-hmm. right? And they didn't score many points. You look at what they do, 13-10 to 10 in a loss to Louisville. Kudos to their defense for holding what had been a very good Cardinals offense, but we expected that, right? Like, that was the reason that for we thought NC State ugly might the game win. Up, yes. Brennan Armstrong, two interceptions, only 112 yards passing on basically 50% completion percentage. You went through some of the stats. It just hasn't been good. A 13.7 QBR, and that's getting back with his offensive coordinator. It, I think 
I think now is the right time. After a couple of losses, only scoring 10 points against Louisville, you just haven't seen a ton of progress. I have no problem with going back to MJ Morris, who, by the way, Wes, a lot of fans wanted to start at the beginning of the season anyway. No doubt about it. And I think this was a move, too, to keep MJ Morris in Raleigh because they know if they would have kept starting Brendan Armstrong and he was not performing up to snuff, MJ Morris was going to take his talents elsewhere, maybe before the season even ended. And for context, folks, Brendan Armstrong under Robert Anand threw for 4,449 yards at a 65% clip with 31 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, and then he also rushed for nine scores as well. So he was one of the more dominant players in the country when you looked at it in the grand scheme of things, talking about what he was able to do, and a lot of people felt once he entered the portal and got back with Robert and I that things were going to be business as usual, but it was all for not. MJ Morris, it is his show now, so we will see what he does. But as far as what I think it means for the offense, I don't think it means much at all when you look at what is around him. The rushing game right now, your leading rusher is Michael Allen with 139 yards yet to score a rushing touchdown this season. Delbert Mims III is their leading touchdown scorer in the backfield, and he only has 92 yards rushing at three yards per pop. As I said, KC Concepcion is the leading receiver, 23 catches, 245 yards, and two touchdowns. The next best receiver is Porter Rooks, who only has 10 touchdowns with 125 yards, zero touchdowns on the season. So we're going to see a lot of things changing in Raleigh when you talk about the Wolfpack. Now, moving on to the weekend as a whole, though, let's pick out a biggest winner. And a biggest loser from the weekend. And so when you look at uh, the biggest winners, man, I think you... <laughs> yes, it's tough. You know, when you start from a, from a local perspective and you just gander over the action that happened this weekend, uh, I think the Clemson Tigers have kind of gotten themselves a little bit uh, more respect, so to speak, going up, beating a Syracuse team that had a top five uh, total defense, the number one scoring offense, and the ACC at over 40 points a game. They go up there, hold them to 14 points. You could tell very early on that this was a very angry Clemson bunch. They scored 31 points. Kay Klubnik uh, actually looked good out there, and he looks like that he is progressing, and I will give him that much. You want to see him play better in big games with 23 to 37, 263 yards and two touchdowns, you'll take that. Phil Moffin, Will Shipley, uh, each scoring a touchdown. You'll take that. And then Justin Maskell just buried Garrett Schrader early in that game to set the tone with that big turnover. So I'm going to go with them. And then as far as my biggest loser on the weekend, uh, I'm going to go with the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, I tweeted about this. I was very upset. And I know, listen, I'm not saying at all I would move into being a coach and be Vince Lombardi and do all those things. That I know group coaching, chat was hot. I know coaching game. is hard as hell. But I just didn't understand why you decided to get cute at the end, didn't want to maybe be a little bit more aggressive to close that game out on top of the fact of you are getting to Sam Hartman with regularity bringing the blitz. The one-on-one -on -one matchups you created through that Notre Dame's offensive line talked about as being one of the best in the country had no answers for you. So why on fourth down? Would you decide to run the defense that I hate the most in football where you only rush three? Unless you have Reggie White, Warren Sapp, and Lawrence Taylor as those three that are rushing the quarterback, I don't want to see it. And then Sam Hartman proceeded to run for a first down on a fourth and 16, I believe it was. As he started running, I said, no way yep. he's going to get this. Somebody's going to swarm and tackle him. It was not to be. Let Notre Dame off the hook and then just poor tackling on Audric Estemi, one of the best running backs in the nation. Took it to the house. Game over. And then 
the biggest, biggest travesty of the whole game. Riley Leonard, we don't know the injury prognosis yet, but it looks like he's going to be out for at least a long while with the season that he was having top 10 according to PFF when you talk offensive grade. I know that they have a good young backup quarterback waiting in the wings that's athletic, can throw the football, but he's no Riley Leonard. And so now this has kind of taken your season off of the rails. Duke the Duke Blue Devils had the spotlight now, but it looks like it was all for naught as that loss to Notre Dame hurt them in more ways than one, no pun intended. All right, so, yeah, I'll start with the loser and then just continue to agree with you because of the injury at the end. That's the one that really allowed the Duke Blue Devils to be the biggest loser this weekend. On the last offensive play of the game for Duke, Riley Leonard goes down with what was a bad injury, so much to the point where people were saying, hey, I don't want to see that injury again. Yes. Like, don't show it. It was one of those types of injuries on social media where people were clamoring for you not to show the replay. Uh, here are a couple things that I agree with. I, I agree with half your take, and I agree disagree with half your take. Okay. So the thing I agree with is not settling for a field goal, and this was your take during the group chat, right? I know you were a little frustrated with Mike Elko for not going for a field goal, and instead they s decided to go with the little pooch kick from Riley Leonard that put him on the five-yard Which was good line. strategy, yes. I, I, it worked. I thought it was good strategy because you had already missed even a 25-yard field goal, man. If you miss a field goal again at the end, the guy goes 0 for 3, and then Notre Dame is able to take over in extremely advantageous territory, we would have been questioning Mike Elko for doing that, right? Already 0 for point 2, taken, don't want to go taken. 0 for 3. Totally with you on the defensive package that you brought out there, only rushing three. Wes, I don't even really need you to blitz, okay? <laughs> I know not blitzing was a huge point of contention for all the fans that were questioning what Mike Elko was doing. Blitzing was the way that you were getting after Sam Hartman all night long. Okay, if you want to blitz, don't want to blitz, that's fine. It's rushing three. That's the problem I had. That means you allow Sam Hartman to get some momentum going, and you're putting so much pressure on your defensive backs to cover that much longer because the odds are you're not going to post a sack with just rushing three defensive linemen. That was the decision that I hated the most. Totally with you on that part of it. Don't rush three. Bring in just normal four down or normal four defensive linemen. Have them go after Sam Hartman and then put guys back in coverage and then try to figure out how not to give up 16 yards. Totally with you there. My winner is Cade Klubnick. Quietly looking better. How about the 200? Even against Florida State, I was defending him a little bit, right? I don't think Cade Klubnick is the reason they lost that game. The time that he fumbled, that was just blindside, boom, big old pop, couldn't hold on to the football. Cade Klubnick, 280 yards against Florida State. Syracuse, he had 260. For the most part, put him away early, at least gained control of that game early, going in 21-7, to I believe, at halftime. Cade Klubnick, this is what you want, right? 260, 250, that's what you want as far as a total passing yard game from Cade Klubnick. We don't need to go to Sean Watson. We don't need to see a dude, some Trevor Lawrence stuff. We just need you to perform better than what the passing offense did under DJU last year. And now that is slowly starting to happen in the last two games, and that includes an opponent like Florida State. So really like what you're getting from Cade Klubnick. Even if Clemson fans, I don't want to say they're in denial, it's certainly going to be a lot harder to achieve what kind of goals you set out to this year. But at least Cade is 
bringing you something to hope for. Yeah, and so when you talk about the Clemson Tigers, let's get into uh, maybe quickly about LSU is a 3-2 and two team, and they had a blowout loss to FSU and another loss to a top-20 team. Their best win is by 27 against Mississippi State on the road, who's 2-3, and three, by the way. Clemson is 3-2 and two with an overtime loss to Florida State and another loss to a top-20 team, but they went on the road, as I said, and decimated uh, a Syracuse team that was on the cusp of the top-25. LSU is currently 23rd with 149 uh, points that they received in the voting. Clemson is ninth in others receiving votes. Are the Tigers being disrespected, and are they uh, the best two-loss team in the country? I definitely think they are deserving of more respect after Saturday, and especially over LSU team that we know that the SEC badge is what's got them still in the polls. Yeah, if you're looking at some of the other star, real quickly, I was just looking over the standings with some of the Carolina schools. I didn't realize how bad it was until until you start looking, right? Like even App State barely escaping with a victory. <laughs> I mean, you look at Charlotte, that's a bad loss, just continuing to go over what happened this college football weekend. Bad loss for Charlotte. North Carolina, thank God they dodged the weekend that was coming after all of the schools, basically, in North Carolina for having this break. And yeah. so we'll see what they do against Syracuse. Clemson at least getting that victory as well. But NC State now having a bad loss to the point where they want to change QBs. Hopefully it goes better for the local teams next weekend and beyond, Wes, because it was pretty brutal for a lot of fan bases out there on the college football slate. And we're starting to get into the thick of things, some big matchups on the horizon real quick as we're up against the break. What did you think of the matchup in Boulder? Should Shador and Caleb Williams. Did Shador change your mind at all, uh, if anything, when you talk about the, the draft comparisons, positioning, so to speak, uh, against one Caleb well, Williams? Well, I don't think so. I, I think what I have felt about this team pretty much from the beginning of the season, I think, has been true. Shador is clearly the real deal. That guy is fantastic. Totally believe in him going forward. Caleb Williams is still going to be the number one QB prospect to me, but what Shador is doing is great. The offensive line has to get better. Good job on Colorado not laying down, coming back in that game. The throw in the end zone by Shador, it's, it's been, I don't even know how that was able to get past the USC defender. So I think this is what we're going to see for much of the season against the top 10, top 25 teams with a respectable enough defense. USC might lose a couple games. They didn't look great defensively in the second half. But Colorado able to take advantage of that. I expect them to put up a decent amount of points. I expect Shador to run for his life a few times because the offensive line isn't great. I expect the defense to give up a lot of points to the opposition, and most likely they're going to lose against those top 25 opponents. But they're never going to be out of it because their quarterback is that good. Yeah, all I know is that the NFL's future is bright when you talk about prospects. Shador Sanders, 371 yards, four scores. Caleb Williams, 403 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, you talk about making the game look easy. It's just some of the crazy plays that he makes. Both of these young men, big-time quarterbacks. Can't wait to see what they do for the rest of the season. And Caleb Williams is for sure still my pick to win uh, the, the Heisman for a second consecutive season.